Um, I'm going to carry on a little bit where I started last week, and I'm not going to be too long, but um, Psalm 34, in verse 8. We had our baptismal service last week. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Seeing those people going through the waters of baptism. Fantastic. It was freezing. I'm still not quite warmed up, but there we are. But it, it, it worked, and we might... We I'm talking about doing another one because some people have come and approached me. We might do another one just after Christmas. Not too after Christmas, you know, give it a couple of weeks and then we'll, we'll have a look at doing another one. But I want to carry on what I was talking about last week. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the first thing that I want to look at is the psalmist here is imploring people. He's pleading with people to come and experience what he's experienced. So come. He's saying, come. Come and see. Come and taste. He's not saying go. He's saying come. In fact, he's saying, I will lead you. I will help you. So the first thing we want to look at is come. It's very important to invite people to come, not to go. You know, are we like that? Are we, are we, oh, you need to go to church. You need to go there. Instead of come, I'll take you. There's a difference. Come with me. And when you've had an experience, you want to shout about that experience, don't you? And the psalmist was like that. He'd experienced something that had changed his life. He had tasted how good God is. And I just want to look at the, the woman at the well, because she had the same experience. It's found in John chapter 4. This woman was a, a Samaritan, and the Samaritans were looked down upon by the Hebrews. They, they would call them dogs. They were, they were that nasty about them. They were, they were a nobody, a, a Gentile people that were not even worthy to be in the same room, in the same area. They were the lowest. But that this Samaritan woman was getting water at the well. And Jesus, who was a well-known rabbi, he was well-known, and she, he approached her. And she was just a shock. Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Do you not know who I am? And he started talking to her about her life. And he said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm getting water. And he said, I can give you water. And he said, the water that you drink that I give you, you will never thirst again. And she was saying, well, I want some of this water. And of course, he was talking about himself. When she came to him and believed in him and accepted who he was, she would never thirst again spiritually. And he began telling her about herself and who he was. And then in verse 28, it says that the woman left her water jar and went back to the town. She told the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he possibly be the Christ. They knew of the Christ. They knew the Messiah was coming. The people left the town and started on their way 
to him. I love the way it says that she left everything. She left what she was doing. Her job. That was it. She had to go and get the water. She just left the water jar. She left everything. What was more important to her was Jesus. And going to tell other people about him. You know, I think what we read is only a, a little bit of what happened at that time. Just a, a little bit of a caption of it. Because she says, he told me everything about myself. And when you read it, you don't read everything about her. But the important thing is she went to the villagers. She went to everyone. And she said, come and see this man. Come and see for yourself. You see, when you, when you go to people and you say, look, I've tasted something. I want you to taste it. Now let me take you to the source. That's what she was doing. Taking people to the source of this water. But what she actually said to them is, see for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. You try it. You go to him. You find out. You taste. You see. And what she did was go into her world. And that's what we can do. We go into our world. And we tell the people in our sphere of influence. Wow. I've tasted something. I want you to taste it as well. It's good. You know, when, we, when something good happens to us, we, we want to tell people. When something new happens, we want to tell people, don't we? When there's a, a new baby on the way or a baby's been born or if you've bought a new house or you've had a nice present off someone or, you know, you, you've bought a new car, I don't know what it is. You, you're letting people know because it's good news. People like to hear good news. People like to tell good news. That's what Jesus is all about. He is about good news. And just like the psalmist, the woman said, I can't keep this in. I have to tell someone about it. But I think sometimes, the psalmist said in another place, and I think we, we suffer from this sometimes, we've lost the joy of our salvation. He said this, Psalm 51 and verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David had become a little bit distant from God. And maybe that hunger and that thirst had disappeared a little bit. And he, know, he knew in himself he'd strayed a bit. And he said, Lord, I want that, what I used to have. The joy of your salvation. And I think sometimes when we lose that joy, we don't feel in the place to want to share that joy. Have you ever got like that? I know I have. I know I have. And it's not a run into someone and say, listen, I got some great news. Wow, this is fantastic. I don't tell people much about my new car anymore because it's not new anymore. I've had it two years. Well, I don't even wash it anymore. I used to wash it every, every couple of weeks. That was good for me. Now, if you go and see my car, it's dirty. Uh, the novelty's worn off. Do you know, sometimes that happens with our salvation. We get familiar. And the joy seems to wane a little bit. We need to pray that prayer. Lord, restore to me 
the joy of my salvation. Wow, I remember what it was like. I remember I used to be there. I used to be on the, the street corners. I used to be, in, I used to be in, the, in my workplace. I used to be telling people. I used to be giving testimonies in services. Uh, uh, wow, it was fantastic. But that was many years ago. I've grown up a bit since then. Well, grown down a bit probably. Yeah. Sometimes we need that excitement, that joy back. We were just driving in in the car, and I was bringing Evie in because we were the only ones that were ready, so we come in early. So we were in the car coming in. And Denise brought me some mints the other week, didn't you? Some humbugs, remember? This week, was it? She gave me an item in my car. And Evie said, oh, can I have one of those, Dad? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, they're special ones that uh, Denise has bought for me. Oh, she said, I still have one. So she took one out and she, she put it in her mouth, tasted it. She went, oh, do you know what that tastes like? I said, what? She said, that reminds me of Granddad's car. Because he always had these same mints in his car. She said, the taste takes me back, reminds me. And I thought, wow. She didn't know what I was speaking on today. Sometimes, when we've lost the joy, when we've lost that feeling, all we need to do again is just taste and see. And that will come flooding back to us. Just like the memories and, and taste is, is very much linked to memories. You could taste something. Oh, gosh, I haven't had that since I was a kid, you know. Sometimes when you, you've lost the joy of your salvation, just begin to worship. Pick up the word. Read some Psalms. Read something and go, oh, I've missed this. I remember. And all of a sudden, your spirit will start to breathe deeper. Just to breathe it in. And that joy of your salvation will be restored. If you're in that place. The other thing that it does, after you go and you ask people to come, what they have to do is up to them. All you can do is share, ask them to come, bring them along. Bring them along. You don't have to bring them to this place in particular, but bring them with you to that place, to that spiritual place, to that place where they hear His name where they hear the good news. But what they have to do then is find. They have to find him. These people found Jesus. The woman of Samaria went. She said, come. Then they found him. He was still there. He didn't go anywhere. They found out for themselves. You see, they saw him. They went there. They found him. Then they tasted and then they fell in love with him. You see, taste is, is, is linked with, with sight. It's also linked with our other senses. It's linked with touch. It's linked with smell. Our taste is linked with our, our, our smell and our, our sight. So let me give you an example. Bread being baked. Ooh. See the bread baking. And then smell it or bacon cooking sizzling away 
Sorry for those who are veggies. You know. But smell that. What, do, what happens in your mouth? Your, your, your saliva glands are... <laughs> you start drooling. That. Well, I do. I don't know about you. But. And you, 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 can, you can almost... And when you grab that hot bread, oh, and you can smell it, then you cut it and you put some nice butter on it. And, oh, and you haven't tasted it yet, but yet you're like... <laughs> It's all linked together. And this is what it's like with the Lord. He is, is almost like, I, I, I want more of you. I've tasted. I can almost touch you. I can smell the aroma. I want to be around you. That's what it's like when you get close to him. This is why the psalmist, this is why this woman said, come, come and see. I'm imploring you. Come and see what I've got. I want you to experience it. Taste and see. Touch him. Feel him. Discover him. Find him. It's all linked. All our senses. And I think our spiritual senses are the same. All linked in to him. See, when others see what you have, it'll make them jealous. We've got to make people jealous of what we've got. People are not going to be jealous of something that they don't want. They're not going to be jealous of bitterness. They're not going to be jealous of envy. They're not going to be jealous of anger. They're going to be jealous of, of joy, of love, of forgiveness, of mercy. All the good things, the good characteristics, the fruits of the Spirit. And when we start showing them, then that's what they will want. They'll say, oh, I want that. It's like that bread being baked. They go, gosh, I, I want what you've got. When you go through difficult times, and speaking with, with Anne Price this week, and she's been going through a difficult time, and she's at home, she's doing really well, she still needs our prayers, but she was saying that some of her friends and family are, are, are saying to her, how are you coping so well with this? And her answer is Jesus. She says, it's Jesus. And when people see us in difficult circumstances sometimes, but yet a peace that passes understanding, they will say, I want that. I don't understand it, but I, I, I want it. Only Jesus Christ can give us that. This is why he said, if you're hungry, come to me. I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, come to me. I am living water. He's appealing to our taste. He's appealing to our, our spiritual hunger and thirst for him. In John 1, we read about two disciples. One of them was Andrew. And incidentally, another thing that we're involved in is... Um, the Graham tour, the Billy Graham tour. He's not touring anymore. He's in glory. He's with, he's with the Lord. He's preaching in heaven at the moment, I think. But his son, uh, Franklin Graham, is coming to the UK next year. He's actually coming to Wales. He's coming to Newport. He's coming to the ICC in Newport, the, the big venue, the new venue at the Celtic Manor. And there's going to be a huge rally there. 
um, in June, I believe it is, June the 14th. We are linked into that. Um, Karen has been away and, and done some training courses with them. And Karen, another person from another church in the area, will be training up um, evangelists around Newport and Cardiff to go out and to do what Andrew is doing here. Andrew was the one who went and got his brothers. and said, come, come and see a man. Come and listen to what he has to say. And so next week, we're linked up with this, and all those that are linked up around the country will be preaching the same message, and we'll be doing the same. It's called, I am Andrew. We all need to be Andrews. I'm already an Andrew. <laughs> it's, not, it's not difficult. But Andrew went to get people to come and see Jesus. He brought his family members. That's what we must do. Come and see. Come and taste. I've got something. You need it. I've got something. Come. Experience him. Follow him. Find him. Then the next thing that has to happen is that when they've come, when they've found him, when they're following him, they have to grow. We have to grow. You know, when we come to the Lord, He doesn't just give us comfort food. He's not just full of ice cream and chocolate and sweets and puddings. And How's your taste buds now? No, He's full of this life-sustaining food. I am the bread of life, He says. I am living water. These are the life-sustaining foods. They're not just snacky foods. He doesn't just give us a snack. He says, I will give you something for life. Not just for life, but for eternity. And when you're feasting upon what I can give you, you will grow. And you will be healthy. And you'll be expectant. On the snacky foods that you can get everywhere else, you'll just become fat and content and lazy. He said, but come to me. I'll give you the best food. So we need to grow in him. I want to read something from, um, I don't know whether you've seen this translation of the Bible before. It's a great translation. J.B. Phillips. It's, the, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read it from the J.B. Phillips. I don't know what version you've got, but listen to what he says here. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 3. Have done then with all evil and deceit, and pretense, and jealousy, and slander. You are babies, newborn in God's family, and you should be crying out for unadulterated spiritual milk to make you grow up to salvation. And you will, if you have already tasted the goodness of the Lord. We need His goodness. Just like the, the psalmist says, come and taste, because He is good. Peter is saying the same thing. If you crave after more, you will grow and you will taste that he is good. The more we want, have, the more we will want. That's like a baby, isn't it? When a baby starts taking the mother's milk and starts getting onto solid food, wow, you can't stop them then. They want more. It's a bit like me, really. Once I've tasted something, I just want more as well. 
So I'm trying to be really disciplined of late. Yeah, don't offer me a cake. That's hard. That's really hard to resist, but I do. Have you tasted? Have you seen that the Lord is good? And if I ask a lot of people around here, they say, yeah, 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 I've tasted. He's good. Are you asking people to taste as well? Are you demonstrating how wonderful he is in your life? How great he is in your life? Are other people getting jealous of, of what you've got? Because he is the life-giving food. And he wants, to, he wants to give the best to you. He wouldn't give the, the worst type of food to your children, would you? We've heard how he's a loving father. He wants to give us the best. He wants to set a, a meal down for us. He wants to set a table in the presence of our enemies. That's, that's what he does. Even in the difficult times. But don't take someone else's word for it. If you don't know him, if you haven't experienced him, then you can. And just very briefly, I just want to mention where some people might be sitting here thinking, well, yeah, he's good, but what about all the difficult things that are happening, all the terrible things that are happening? How can God be good when all this is happening? It's, it's the big question everyone asks. But what we have to realize is that we live in an evil world. And whose fault is that? Hello? Mankind. We are the ones who turned our backs on him. It's because of us that sin is in this world. But he is so good that he hasn't turned his back on us. And he's made it possible for us to get to him because of his mercy, because of his grace. He's able to give us eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. Yes, we've been seeing it. He is good. He is good. If he wasn't good, he'd do away with us all. But he is so good, he's made a way for us. I talked a little bit about taste being linked to memory. But memory is also important with taste. And it works the other way. If you tasted something when you were younger and you didn't like it, probably you don't like it now. That's the way it goes. Oh, I tried that once. Mm, tried that a couple of years ago. Don't like it. Nah, nah. In fact, it offended my taste buds. Didn't like it. Tried it. I ate it for ages and all of a sudden it made me sick. Blech. You know, some people are like that with the Lord. They like that with church. They like that with God's people. Tried it, tasted it, didn't like it, got offended, made me sick, don't want anything to do with it anymore. It's stuff like that. You just got to get over that. You got to eat through it if you like. You got to, some people have, and, and I've wrote this down, church for some people has left a bad taste in their mouth. But I always say this, the church is fantastic, ecclesia, the body of Christ is beautiful. It's not church, it's not the ecclesia that upsets or offends people, it's people that offend people. 
And that's what we've got to get over. Well, I don't, I don't come to fellowship. I don't worship anymore because church left a bad taste in my mouth. Is that why you're worshiping? I worship because I love Jesus. Not because somebody offended me once. Or because so-and-so didn't shake my hand or something. You know, my faith is bigger than that. Our faith has to be bigger than that. Taste is pleasurable when we come to eat. It's not just to sustain us, but we need to enjoy it as well, don't we? Wow, thinking about that bread and that butter on it. Nice bit of Welsh salted butter, yeah? Yeah? Not that margarine stuff, Alf, is it? Yeah. And if you uh, if you eat bacon, oh, I love bacon. Or cheese if you're a veggie. Yeah? Bit of cheese in there, big thick doorstop. Yeah, that'll sustain you, but wow, it's so good to eat. And we think of all these things. And that's what the Lord is like. Yeah, he's sustained us, but it's so good to be with him. It's so pleasurable. But also, eating. Do you know a lot of people, this was a fact when I was looking this up. A lot of people won't eat blue food. Not many foods are the blue, is there? Some people have some people have put off blue food. I don't know why. Don't ask me, it's a stat. The blue cabbage, can we get blue cabbage? Blue cheese. We had some blue breeze. I love blue breeze. But that's that's the stat, I don't know. So hey, if you served blue potatoes, they'd be weird, wouldn't they? But what your taste does, what I was trying to say is your taste is a warning as well. Your taste will warn you against things that are bad. And the reason it will warn you against things that are bad is because when you eat something that's good, you'll know what is bad. Spiritualize it, yeah. When you taste the Lord and see that he is good, then you will know what is not good. There's... There's something deep in these words, and sometimes we just skip over them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you know that He's good, when you've tasted Him, when you've when you've been with Him, when you when you just experience <coughs> being around Him <coughs> and loving with Him, then you know what is bad. You'll know when things are wrong. You'll know when that spirit sometimes comes along, and you think, mm, "Is this right? Is this you, God?" And God goes, "No, nah, it's not me." No, it doesn't taste right. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not quite right. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews 5, I'm just going to come into an end with this. Hebrews 5 and verse 14 says this. But solid food is for the mature. Now we've moved on. We're eating solid food. Who by constant, what? Constant. Constant use. Oh, sorry, my eyes. I can't see it. I'll start again. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So when you are eating properly, and you're eating 
and you're maturing, you will train yourself to distinguish good from evil. All through taste. All from tasting it. And then maturing and growing and following. Moving on from the milk onto the, the meat. And then you'll know what is good and what is evil. It used to be when I was growing up in church, oh, you couldn't do You can't do that, brother. That's secular. Not spiritual. You can't do that. <laughs> it's not the world. And it used to be usually someone with a big Bible and a black suit. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's not s- spiritual and secular. It's good and evil. That's the difference. You know, go into a restaurant. It was secular, brother. You shouldn't be going to restaurants, cinemas, the movies. You know? You bought a paper on a Sunday. Oh, my God. Be struck down. Is it good or evil? That's what the Lord says. He didn't say anything about secular and spiritual. Is it good or is it evil? You'll know inside you what is good and what is evil. Why? Because we've tasted. We've digested. We know him. He's in us. He lives in us. We live in him. That's what it is. Our spirits will be intermingled with his spirit. So when we just le- read that verse, taste and see the Lord is good. It will change your life for the better. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you that these words written many thousands of years ago, but yet are so rich and empowering and so deep, And Lord, we examine ourselves, just as Paul says, even before, as we come before you, we examine ourselves. And Lord, if there is something in us that that we've lost that joy, that first love. Lord, I just want to say right now, from my point of view, Lord, I want to be back there. I want to be better than back there. And Lord, I pray for anyone right now who has perhaps lost the joy of their salvation that, Lord, you will bring their, their taste buds back, that they'll want more, that they'll want to taste and see that you are good, that they'll want to delve into the, the bread and the water that brings life and in all its abundance. Lord, I pray that we will never get to that place where we are parched, where we need a drink where we're starving, but Lord, we need to run to you where we will never thirst again because you are the the living water that sustains us. Lord, I pray that others will see in us that joy. Lord, I pray that in in our lives and in our families, in our schools and colleges, our workplaces, that Lord, they will see this this joy oozing from us, the joy of our salvation, that they will want to taste and see exactly what we've got. In Jesus' name, amen.
you know, just one thing as I'm just finishing up. You may think, well, I don't know much about the Bible to tell anyone. You know, there's not a lot that I, I haven't got a lot of knowledge. You don't need knowledge of the Bible. All you've got is your testimony, your story. You see, when a lot of the apostles would stand before kings, they'd stand before dignitaries. They didn't necessarily preach big, deep sermons. They, they spoke their testimony and the things that God has already done. They just shared it. You should just share your testimony. No one can take that away from you. God bless you. Next week, we're going to have a little bit something different. I think Karen and I are going to be doing a bit of a double act, tag act. We're going to be doing something together. I am Andrew. Karen's going to be Andrew next week as well.